Hello and welcome to This Week at the Movies. I'm Matt. And I'm Eric. And this week we are looking at a couple of different options. One, a new streamer on Netflix. And one, a highly anticipated animated film that finally dropped in theaters. Uh, after a uh, quick uh, confab before we got started, we have decided to start with Netflix. Uh, the film is Leave the World Behind. Uh, which is a new drama from writer-director Sam Esmael. Uh, he did Mr. Robot, if you watch that on the small screen. Uh, it features Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, Mahershala Ali, among others. It is based on a novel. Uh, Netflix has had kind of a huge fall. A lot of movies they're pushing. You know, we've seen Fair Play. We've seen The Killer, uh, the biopic Nyad, the biopic Rustin. They have Maestro coming up soon. Last week, we just talked about May, December. I had wondered why it seemed like Leave the World Behind was not a release that was getting a huge promotional push. And then I saw the film and all my questions were answered. Um, I... I've enjoyed some of the things Sam Esmail has done. There is a very opening sequence in this film that made me laugh, that made me excited about this for a minute. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not going to spoil the plot. <clears throat> um, also, it would be hard to describe the plot. Uh, it's essentially uh, a couple, uh, Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke, that rent a vacation home in upstate New York. Um, they take their two teenage kids. Some weird shenanigans happen. The guy that owns the home that put it on Verbo shows up with his adult daughter needing a place to crash for the night. Uh, that is Mahershala Ali's character. There's some tension. Some things happen. Some time is spent. The film runs just over two hours. <laughs> uh, and then it comes to something of an abrupt end. That's uh, probably the kindest way to put it. I didn't hate the movie, but there was some potential, uh, I thought, in the combination of the actors and the premise. You know, we even get Kevin Bacon to pop up at one point in time. But it does not all come together for me. Um, the best part for me was that opening laugh I got from Julia Roberts probably says more about my dismal worldview or my dismal view of humanity uh, than it does about it being clever. Um, I'm just going to give this thumbs neutral because I thought there was there was potential, but then the, I'm going to say this almost reminds me of my biggest frustration with M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable which I felt like was entirely first act and then just ends. And I'm like, what the actual F it feels like set up for a sequel. That's never going to happen. And unfortunately for that movie, we actually ended up getting a sequel and it was worse than I could have imagined. So Sam, if you're out there, this one doesn't really need the sequel, even though no, there is no resolution. Eric, I took it that by your facial expressions and also I'm holding your uh, dim view of beforehand that this was not your favorite film of the year nope i think you actually summed the movie up better than i possibly could have you know like i that 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 okay julia roberts ethan hawk kevin bacon marshala ali 
uh, one of the lead cast from Bodies, 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 and which I Maya La. super like, but I like her. And Maya Well, La. and she's also a huge um, star of the HBO series industry, which has a lot of fans. I'm not one of I them. I just, but... I, I've, I've seen praises for the performances, and I just, I just want to point out that even that cast could not make this movie more interesting. Like, I was the shock. I honestly, shocking... I hadn't seen a lot of praise for the performances. I don't know exactly what you. I don't mean Julia to be Roberts, unkind, but what exactly would you be praising? Uh, mostly, I think a, a lot of Julia Roberts is in her. She's the only character with like any kind of like story to the her worldview, and then her secret underworld view and her relationship with the guy's daughter and whatnot. That's like the place where I, I see that and Marshala Ali and his sort of dread for the whole thing. But I like, no, like I, the biggest, the most shocking twist in the movie for me is that it was based on something, which means that somebody had to write this to not just be a quirky surface level commentary on the modern world and people and, and how we take life for granted. Like, it is, it is that, cool. I think you're almost giving it more credit than it deserves for having uh, it any does. kind of a world. <laughs> it does. I am so agitated that this movie is intentionally doing all these twisty, turny camera movements to make you look at a mundane space from a new angle in a new light and trying to like warp and, and, and act like it has something to say. Act like what you're looking at is going to mean something different with a new context later. And then just not give you a new context to chew on and just float around and say, given a situation, what happens to a mom, a dad, a son, a daughter, and another context of a type of family? Like what happens to them given this context? And then once they've answered the question, like there's some check boxes, the movie just goes to credits. And I, for a couple of hours was... A couple you know, hours. I was not like, to ruin the ending, but um, is it possible that the whole point of this movie is just to remind people that Netflix once had friends? Yeah, um, and and uh, see, I legitimately a what reminder is the to buy physical even? media, people. Yeah, <laughs> that you need like, to buy physical media. <laughs> like I don't know, I don't know why I do feel like I feel like if you're gonna watch this, you should not know what's gonna happen because if you knew it was gonna happen, there would literally be no point in watching this movie. But I, I still, I like kind of sort of get what happened, right? I, you get the gist of what is happening, and it has this horrifying implication, but it's never even sufficiently explained. There's still at the end. To speak cryptically for a second, an emergency warning system is going off that is alerting and warning people to what's going on, which means there's the larger system that is bringing this big doom and gloom threat onto people. And then there's this like subsystem that's like, I'm going to help people survive it. And it's just all just like, it feels like it's rooted in just conspiracy theory, like, Oh my gosh, Kevin Bacon was probably one of the most interesting parts of the movie to me. And even then, I was kind of exhausted as soon as I realized how he was going to play his character. Because I've seen this character in 2012 and Independence Day and every other like movie. How, how do you almost accidentally remake The Happening, but then make it less interesting? 
Like, I, I don't... I almost forgot about the happening. That's right. It, M. Night Shyamalan's first R-rated film. Yeah, and I can't... I, I, this is a one thumb down for me, not a two thumbs down. I didn't think it was very stupid. I just thought I, I, all of the flash and show and style of it was too much for what substance there is. And it would have been idea. nice to drop the mystery and just be with the characters. I get the idea of sometimes not having a concrete explanation for things can add to the sense of existential dread. But in this case, I thought they proposed so many possibilities that the existential dread came from the idea that they might come up with another possibility for what it was. <laughs> and also, I, I don't know. There were things that didn't totally make sense. Like when Ethan Hawke is out driving and the lady flags him down that doesn't speak English and he drives away. What was I in? What totally was I meant to take away from that? I, I do you know genuinely, what? I just want someone to tell me what she's saying. I want someone who's bilingual to just tell me what she's saying because she's what could it possibly do except for <laughs> Okay. So, um, I bet you if you went back and rewatched it and put on subtitles or closed captioning that it might tell you what it was. I thought about doing that and then I just didn't. No, I I seriously doubt there's anything that was super important because there and if it was, then that's a completely wasted opportunity because there's nothing really yeah. comes of that other than nothing comes of a lot of things. Know, there, everyone. There's a lot like, of like, casual like fear mongering and racism in this that never totally gets yeah. explained either. So. There is, there is almost, it's almost common knowledge, the idea of Chekhov's gun. All right, I'm pretty sure it's Chekhov's gun. But yeah, the theory, you, you put a gun in the first act, it goes off by act three. There are two guns in this movie, and neither of them go off. Like... Well, they're saving it for the sequel. Uh-huh, yeah, sure. Called or the third one. Return to the World three. That Was. Return to the world that was, you know, instead of leaving the world behind. Well, suffice to say, Not it's been an interesting, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, I mentioned Netflix films out that I feel like they're they're careening toward. We will touch on one of the, probably the biggest one here um, in a future episode in Maestro. But to me, the only one that I've actually loved so far this year was The Killer. Um, okay. I I thought a lot of their releases, like we talked about with May December last week, were it was an interesting idea. It had some interesting pieces, you know, and I found it ultimately unsatisfying and a little bit flawed. I know you liked that one better and you liked this one a lot less than I did. But for me, they almost end up in the same category where there's some of it that I, can see I that. was taken with and some of it that I was like, okay, this just didn't didn't work i do feel i will admit they sent the script for may december and i started mm. reading it on the page it gave me a little bit of a different feel for it mm. i don't know if that's good or bad but be interesting 
Well, neither of us were high on the first movie. Will either of us like our second one, which was probably the big theatrical release uh, this week? There was only two, I think, new movies that went wide release. One was um, a neon film called Eileen, which had debuted at Sundance and has little to no buzz, even though it's got Anne Hathaway and Thomason McKenzie. And the other is Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron. Um, which, you know, just actually today won Best Animated Film from the Los Angeles Film Critics Association. You figure it's going to be a player in uh, the animated category in um, probably a lot of the major award uh, competitions. And, you know, I think it could even, depending on how things shake out, challenge for international film, because obviously... If you watch it the way it was originally released, I know in theaters right now, um, at least here, and I think in most places, you have the option to watch it dubbed in English. I don't know about you. I watched it with the in the original Japanese with with subtitles sure. the way that they the way that they intended. If I would have gone to the theater. I might have watched it dubbed, but yeah. Well, I was annoyed. This the screener didn't automatically put subtitles. I had to go find them. So oh, talking for a minute, I'm like, oh, this must not be important. Then I'm like, oh, no, I think it happens to me sometimes on Apple things. Yeah, this is a weird uh, detail. But in the theater, the subtitles still look like the font of subtitles that pop up on like VLC media player. I was I was there was incredibly also off put a couple of times where the subtitles are going over that are in white are going over the top of backing images or character clothing that is also white that always yeah these that bugs had, me a little bit a I'm like I hope I don't miss anything important yeah yeah go Austin Powers yeah. on it. I don't really uh, know how totally to describe the plot of this movie. Um, because this is another, but not for the same reasons that they, we can't describe the plot of our first movie. Well, uh, this I'll, one takes place during shot. World War II. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Ah, well, it takes place during World War II, uh, and it takes place over a time span, uh, which is a little bit bizarre because I don't think we really see the boy age, but it takes place over the final years of World War II. And there was a fire in a hospital, and a boy loses his mother and his father over the next couple of years uh, moves in and begins a relationship with the late mother's younger sister. And around the time that she starts to, uh, she's pregnant with another child. Uh, the boy comes, starts to encounter in their new home, which is a, a home with a lot of old ladies who live in it. Uh, this gray heron, a bird that is, following and acting suspicious and draws the boy into an adventure that takes place in a sort of parallel world that is outside of time. And that adventure through that time is sort of a journey for this boy to resolve a lot of issues with the loss of his mother and his family and his aspirations and coming of age and just a lot of different things. So, yeah. And I and what did thought you it was think delightful. It? I thought it was delightful and disciplined. And the thing I love, there is a, a quality that I love to a lot of Japanese anime and Hayao Miyazaki uh, in particular, where the world they live in and the character feels so much calmer and simpler and direct 
there's there's something to the pacing of uh some of his movies where like uh there's a beat where the boy is sitting at a desk and he's trying to uh I don't know what the word is for it, but put a feather in the back end of an arrow and he knocks some books off of a desk. And it's just this whole nicely animated sequence of him picking up books until he finds a revelation, something written from his mother in another one. And it's just, it, it gets to the point in my head that I can actually start to count how many images are in a second. And I'm counting like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think it's seven or eight. And uh, there's something so, like, you know the thing is moving, everything is is directed, that the characters all keep their belongings taken care of and simple and whatnot. It's just something so disciplined and structured and scheduled. And I don't know. I just, I like that about it. But I always have a similar problem with Hayao Miyazaki movies, and that is that I am just not good at reading or interpreting the rules to his magical worlds and the reasons for like ch sudden changes in the way the world works. And I don't usually mind. I just kind of try and appreciate it for the art and the imagination, but I kind of wish that I was more able to understand like, why is there a flood of parakeet people? And, you know, just like, why is there Not just a parakeet swarm people, of frogs? Cannibalists. Cannibalists. Yeah. Like, and uh, it's it's not so much that I need like answers to these questions so much as it's just everyone in the world accepts. Okay, uh, we used to live in in end late World War II uh, Earth, and now we live in this world where people can shoot fireworks out of their body because they're made of fire partly, but not forever. That lasts for a little while, and then it's not really a thing anymore. But yeah, I mean, obviously. And it's just like, it's just something to me. Like, I don't, I don't need more world building and explanation, but it just makes me feel like I'm missing something. I constantly have the feeling that I'm not quite understanding something. So I don't know. It's a strong yeah, one. It, thumb up for me. I, yeah. And I'm giving it a thumb up too. And I think if you've been a fan of Miyazaki's work and so much of it has spoken to people over the years, I've appreciated the craft, um, kind of like you, but it's, I don't, I was thinking about this while I was watching the movie. I don't know if it, some of it is um, just being detached enough from the culture or not watching a lot of those type of movies, you know, like I am not a Crunchyroll subscriber. Um, you know, I actually watched another uh, animated film in this style called Suzume. Um, mm -hmm. that is kind of another contender. And I felt the same way. I appreciated the animation. I appreciated some, but there's like these magical elements to the world that kind of like you described, don't, I don't totally understand how they pop up or what the rules are or, and I think it detracts a little bit from sinking into the story. There were a lot of parts of this movie that I deeply resonated with, but mostly in the first half, you know, kind of, a boy that's a little bit in grief, um, you know, has guilt plus grief about the loss of his mother, not being able to save his mother, trying to adjust to a new uh, world and home. You know, you you get that tension. He's always calling his uh, aunt slash stepmother by her given name. 
and then that emotional connection just draws them more and more together and by the end he's he's screaming mother to her um you know there were some beautiful elements to it i i can see why people love it i can i certainly think it's going to be among the contending films it, it to me has been a fairly rich year for um animation and different radically different styles of animation you know we talked about wish last week which was another movie that i enjoyed completely different style um you know we had spider-man across the spider-verse which may i may not have loved as much as the first one but also a radically different style the the teenage mutant ninja turtles movie that we got earlier this year which was another kind of different animated style and storytelling take it's been a very rich and diverse year and i'm kind of looking forward to that competition yeah so i'm sure this will be a player so so recap other miyazaki movies I've seen Spirited Away. I've seen um, Princess Mononoke. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen another one. Howl's Moving Castle. Um, yes, Howl's Moving Castle. Okay, that's that's uh, that. And those I, and the I, Wind I appreciate Rises. them all. Yeah, I think I've seen one them, of my favorite. The Wind Rises too. I'd have to go back and look. I was looking at his. Um, I've appreciated them. You know, I appreciate the craft. I appreciate the storytelling style. Different. Mm-hmm. Different types of films hit people differently, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not the biggest. I like my my friends and family are a lot more into anime than I am, but that gives me a lot of license to invest time in appreciating something that I otherwise probably wouldn't give more time to. And I do think that has an effect on my like the way that I view like other movies and, and trying to pay attention to what culturally seems more typical of Western versus Eastern storytelling and all of that. And so there's, I, I, Oh, I really like a really good story that is told unconventionally that, that is told in a way that I, I don't feel like I, ah, I don't know how to put this. Um, I don't know. It just feels like I'm, I'm, in a comfortable discomfort, like outside of my comfort zone in a way that is, is a good thing or is growth or I don't know. It just feels, it feels comfortable and fairy tale like and, and easy to enjoy regardless. And then uh, when the stories are more meaningful and, and, you know, have a little bit more weight to them, like things like the wind rises, or I would say even, even this, um, I don't know. There's something special about it. Well, it's just to me, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, sometimes it's like what's going to sneak into the five movies competing for animated. And this year, I feel like it's going to be heartbreaking to see what gets left out because I named a few of them. But just this year, we've had Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, Wish, Elemental which I forgot from the summer, I actually enjoyed quite a bit from Pixar. Susan May uh, and The Boy and the Heron um, are are probably going to be competitors. Uh, Nimona, there were plenty of people that were big fans of that when that came out earlier this year on Netflix. Uh, Netflix releases uh, the Chicken Run sequel on um, next Friday. 
and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I, you know, if you were just looking at that grouping alone, that's uh, that's eight different films. You know, sometimes you get six in a category. Usually, you only get five, and there could be other ones out there that I'm I'm forgetting. It's been a rich year for animated um, features with a lot of different weighty emotional stories, and I'm going to be curious to see how that kind of all shakes out mm-hmm. as we come to the end of the year. And you never know if like they're going to give a courtesy nomination for the Super Mario Brothers, which is actually also came out this year. And even though I didn't yeah. care for it that much, it crossed a billion dollars, so it was wildly popular. Yeah. I know. Can't forget one of the highest grossing films of the year so far. That killed Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll do it uh, for this week. Next week, uh, we know we're going to tackle Wonka, uh, which is the third uh, big screen uh, telling of the tale of Willy Wonka. We've gone from Gene Wilder, National Treasure, to Johnny Depp with national question (laughs) brought his own energy to now a prequel story of sorts with timothy chalamet uh also golden globe nominations come out this week so we'll probably uh get each other's reaction that that will start to clarify the awards field you know uh, golden globes always go early they are coming out january 7th and then hopefully we'll throw in uh something else so be sure to tune in as we get uh, closer there. Plenty of options at the theater. Uh, and in a couple of weeks, you know, if if this is your bag, you can just go see Jason Momoa as Aquaman once again, because having watched live football all afternoon, they really want you to go to that movie. I've seen the commercial for it 95 times. Thank you, Warner Brothers. Until next week, we will see you at the movies. <laughs>